0: Welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Mark Faulkner, Detroit News Assistant Sports Editor. I'm joined by Ted Colfin, our Red Wings beat reporter. Coming up, we'll hear from Mike Camilleri, the former Wolverine and co-founder of BioSteel, which just signed a multi-year contract with the NHL to replace Gatorade as the league's official sports drink. But first, Ted, the Matthew Kachuk rumors. It's a long shot. But what would you give up to bring Kachuk to Detroit now that he won't sign in Calgary and now that teams like the Blues and Devils and Predators and Sabres and Stars are doing their due diligence, would you trade Bertuzzi, Ronick Zadina, and say an extra second round pick that Detroit got in the Letty trade next year? Is that too much, too little? And if you're Brad Tree Living, the Calgary GM, Ted, what players would you want in return for? Arguably the best power forward to potentially come to Detroit since Brendan Shanahan and Brian Glenn came here in 1996, and they gave up Keith Primo, Paul Coffey, and a first-round pick.
1: No, it's, it's going to take quite a bit. I mean, from what I gather, it sure seems like teams – St. Louis is going to do anything possible to mm-hmm. bring home uh, Matthew Kutchuk, who is – yeah, like you mentioned, he's a great player. He's without a doubt one of the top all-around players in the league. I really think it would take more along the likes of some prospects like a Simon Edmondson or a Lucas Raymond. I think it's going to take those type of people probably to entice Calgary. And, mm-hmm. and just I think New Jersey and St. Louis come to mind as two teams who probably are better equipped to do that. I just don't get the sense that Steve Eizerman would – Deal away some of those types of young players. Although Kachuk is what I think he's only 25 or 26 years old. It's quite a whoever gets him. I mean, it's that's quite a good find, quite a get for somebody. I mean, he is one of the true, be, true play, best players in the league. And just the an side, what a gut punch for Calgary. It really is. I mean, here's a team that was on the verge of a Stanley Cup and. Just to see it decimated like that with their two best players gone, that they didn't want to stay there. That's very, I that could pretend some just some pretty interesting things down the line for some of these Canadian franchises. It's it does seem like on the surface, I I, mm-hmm. I can't think of it instantly, but there have been instances where these American players do not want to play there long term. I mean, and these two. Why would they, you know, on the surface, you have to ask yourself, why would you leave Calgary? You got a t- Stanley Cup contending team, great hockey market. And they were willing with Goodrow to go up to $10 million or more gut punch. And you really, you really do wonder about Toronto next year with Austin, one well, of the year after, I believe with Austin Matthews. What could happen there? It's, good. it's quite interesting.
0: Ted, this is our first podcast since free agency, since the Wings added three key pieces up front Andrew Kopp, David Perron, and Dominic Kubalik. First, let's hear from Kopp, the Ann Arbor native who attended Skyline and the University of Michigan. Here's your question about his increased gold production the last three years. From ten goals to fifteen to twenty-one goals with the Jets and Rangers this year.
1: Hey Andrew, how do you explain the offensive surge here in the last year or two?
2: Um, I mean, I think I've just continued to improve on my game. I think I've gotten a lot better over the years, and um, felt like it was always kind of in there. It just kind of wasn't really asked something I was asked to do too much, whether it was you know playing in a checking role or uh, you know concentrating on the defensive side or the PK. So um definitely worked on my game a lot and um you know with with you know some production and then comes confidence and just kind of snowball so um feel like I still have areas to get better and still have room to improve so looking forward to, to getting back to work and doing that and hopefully it can improve upon uh you know the last couple of years
1: you kind of alluded to it but you does this kind of remind me does this kind of remind you of the Winnipeg and the Rangers their last couple of years just the way they're kind of toward the end of a rebuild or whatever
2: yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the the year we went to the conference final, in Winnipeg the year before we missed the playoffs by like six games. And, you know, all of a sudden the next year uh, we were kind of a powerhouse and had the second best uh, record in the in the league. So um yeah, that change happened so quickly. And same thing with the Rangers this year. They kind of went from, you know, a team that wasn't really projected to make the playoffs to, to being in the conference final and up to nothing. So against the former champs. So you never really know when that jump's gonna be there. But uh, you know, I feel like I got a I got a lot of faith in in where this team's headed and a lot of the the young talent that's that's you know come up through the, the last couple of years. And then obviously the the guys that have been here like Larks and Bertuzzi feel like we're uh, we got a good group and just kind of ready to take the next step, like I said.
0: Ted Kopp just mentioned those Jets teams in 2017. They missed the playoffs, they were five games over 500. In 2018, they were 32 games over 500, went to the conference finals and lost to the Golden Knights who then lost in the Cup final to the capitals. That Jets team was a big punishing team on defense. They had Dustin Buffalin 65, Jacob Truba, who's 6-3, Ben Sherratt now with the wings. he's 6-3, Tyler Myers, 6-8 in goal. From Clinton Township, six foot four, Connor Hellebuck. He was just 24 then. He won 44 games, lost just 11. And up front, Andrew Kopp was just 23 years old. He was on a checking line with 6'5", Adam Lowry. Kopp was second on the team and plus minus. He was plus 17. Here in Detroit, Ted, Kopp will be centering the second line, which really was the smallest second line in the NHL last year. And just from that standpoint alone, face-offs, Defensive coverage, line matchups, durability—how much better could the wings be with Cops centering that second line instead of Pugh Suter?
1: Well, essentially, my friend, what the, you more or less got a whole second line with with those three free agent forwards. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting, Mark. Uh, I've, I've always thought Andrew Cops a good player, a very solid player. You do kind of wonder whether he can match the offense he produced last year. That's going to be something to watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kubelik, interesting signing. I mean, he had that terrific first season with Chicago, but it's gone steadily downhill since then for whatever reason. So that'll be interesting. And then David Perron, I mean, various, an established pro. Good all-around player, had a a really nice offensive season last year. For the most part, though, it's a strange phenomenon, but (laughs) he's been his best when he's been a St. Louis Blue, and wherever else he's been a couple times, he's been traded away or whatnot or left, I think, unprotected. I believe in the expansion draft one year. Obviously, when Vegas picked him up, he had a nice year in Vegas, but otherwise... It just his best years has been as a St. Louis Blues, so you hope that he can at least match that a little bit as a Red Wing. Um, three solid players. I mean, on paper you would think they definitely improve themselves, but we still have to see it on the ice. There are some question marks attached to it. Uh, same thing with the defense with Ben Chirac and uh, Ole Mata. Um, You know, two guys that have. Been around the league a long time. Uh, strong defensively. Charade adds a physical gr- presence, a grit factor. Uh, good. Uh, they bettered themselves. How much we're gonna have to wait and see? But on paper, you would think, yeah, in defense with those two fellas, they've definitely improved themselves. And then you add Huso and Net. I think we talked about him before. Hmm. Um yeah it's been uh he's steve eiserman's checked off every
0: box i tell you he had some needs and he filled them all time now for our interview segment before we hear from ben charat let's listen to today's special guest mike camilleri he's another former wolverine like andrew cop another 15-year veteran like david perron only his story is a little bit different here he is now Joining us now is Mike Camilleri, a former University of Michigan hockey player for three years under Red Berenson from 1999 to 2002, then 15 years in the NHL with the Kings, Flames, Canadians, Devils, and Oilers from 2003 to 2018, and now the co-founder of BioSteel Sports Nutrition, which just signed a multi-year agreement to be the official sports drink of the NHL after signing a multi-year agreement At the NHL draft in Montreal two weeks ago. Mike, welcome to the podcast and what's it been like these past two weeks? I talked to Matthew Schneider who was there for the announcement in Montreal. He's with the NHLPA now, a former Red Wing, a teammate of yours who he said assisted on your first NHL goal back with the Kings in 2002. He said you're now a role model for current NHL players starting your own business and now this new multi-million dollar deal with the NHL. So what's it been like since that milestone announcement?
3: It's been you know pretty cool to to look at it as a full circle moment for the brand and the company. And mm-hmm. um, from a personal standpoint, just has given me some perspective and a chance to kind of look back on all the people really that have worked so hard on this brand for so long. And And, and again, for me, from a personal perspective, to think about my wife and children and the support of, of my wife in particular to give me the opportunity to uh, engage in something like this, you know, on top of an NHL career. So, um, pretty special stuff. And uh, you know, those are those are very kind words from Matthew. But um, I've been I've been fortunate to be surrounded with some people who have just been fantastic and and really accomplish some, some great things, and it's been been fun to
0: just be part of it. How did the business begin, Mike? When I talked to Matthew, he said he wasn't surprised that you found success in your career after hockey. He said you were a thoughtful guy who wasn't afraid to take risks to thinking outside of the box, and he said that you guys were on the NHL competition committee together, and he said you weren't afraid to push ideas and thoughts on how to make the game better. Now, the BioSteel. then, how did everything come together? And what challenges have you faced since 2009?
3: Oh, there's a lot there. I mean, I guess the, the origin story is, uh, you know, I was, I was training with uh, some some world's foremost experts in strength and nutrition, starting with my days mm-hmm. back at University of Michigan. And, and one of the topics was always what you consumed. And, and, and that became kind of as training became more the norm. Uh, that became a bigger and bigger topic and I kept hearing a common theme from these subject matter experts which was to be careful of consuming certain products every day that may have a lot of sugars harmful sugars or food dyes or food colorings or you know artificial ingredients and preservatives and so it got to a point in my pro career where I was just ordering so many different things and trying to mix them together and it just really wasn't um, a viable uh, solution so approached kind of a childhood my childhood best friend john and just said hey like let's i put five things on a table i said why don't we put this into one one bottle and create a solution for pro <laughs> athletes and maybe the everyday consumer for for just that cleaner healthier hydration option And so uh we did and we set out to do that and kind of went through a year of research and development and went down the road with a few different people as far as making the products the formulas and then
0: mm-hmm.
3: i started training with a guy by the name of matt nickel who had had similar challenges as strength coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs and he had formulated some products for himself and his athletes and we brought him in as a partner and and and, and that was our original formula of, of our original powder drink that we made and it just kind of took off within pro sports there was obviously pro athletes were looking for something like this and then eventually to the to the everyday consumer so that, that's really the the origin story of it um you know, the challenges, uh, lots of challenges. I mean, it's a, it's a heavy cash flow business. We had to finance the business and okay. raise capital and bring in partners and uh, try and find growth and route to market in, a, in an industry that's, you know, especially with our ready drink product that was dominated by some big players that everybody knows this. So there's been, in an entrepreneurial uh, venture like this, there's, there's too many challenges to list, but um, they're all also opportunities. And so um, it's been a fun journey.
0: Mike, you mentioned the University of Michigan where you were just saying that you took uh, management and communications. What were your years like on campus in Ann Arbor? On the ice, you had 131 points in 110 games, three years, two frozen four appearances with losses to Boston College and Minnesota. Off the ice though, what did you learn about business? These challenges, cash flow, all these other issues that that you were learning here in in our state
3: oh well, you know I the, the University of Michigan is a very special place to me um, I, I made some lifelong friendships first and foremost and mm-hmm. uh, the relationships are what's most meaningful to me so I think I learned more out of the classroom with regards to that and relationships and that's probably been the most valuable thing that I've learned that that would be applicable to the business world because I really do believe our life is just the sum of relationships and how we treat one another and um, there was a lot learned there as far as that goes in the friendships that I made at Michigan. Um, you know, the, 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 nuance or kind of interesting caveat to my, my time in Michigan was that my scholarship was endowed by Mr. and Mrs. Tom and Connie Kinnear. And uh, Tom Kinnear at the time was uh, the Dean of Entrepreneurial Studies at the Business School of Michigan. So he brought me around. I remember bringing me to a venture capitalist meeting. I think I was 18 <laughs> years old, and kind of taught me some things. And um, it was nice to get exposed to some of that stuff at a young age. And um, I, was a little, I was always kind of keen on business and thought maybe I'd end up doing something in the business world.
0: Now that you have this uh, new agreement with the NHL, I wonder is that something you're comfortable with or are you learning to get used to it at age 40 now as your company's growing? What are your thoughts about being one of the front men for your company?
3: Um, I was very coy about it while I was playing because i didn 't want uh, people knowing my involvement with the company um, okay. i, I don 't have the same c- conflict of interest now as far as that goes it 's fine for you know it's, uh, that, that, that i, I uh, that people know kind of my involvement and my, my role in the company. Um, my comfort level is that you know i w- what I realized uh, you know as I grow older in life is uh, hopefully, I can make valuable contributions, but uh, it, it, I, it becomes a lot easier as you mature to look around you and just see how valuable other people 's contributions are also so um, I, I guess i uh, 'm at a point where i I certainly value my own contributions, but i 'm uh, well aware of everybody else 's and, um, and it 's just fun to be part of the journey that 's for sure
0: What advice then Mike do you have for players nowadays? Uh, Matthew says that you are very intentional in your decisions. Always growing. It was something that Matthew said that all players should be thinking about down the line. It's difficult, of course, when you're 20 and just entering the NHL like you were when you met Matthew back with the LA Kings. You were up and down in the minors that first year, and then you went on to your 15-year NHL career. 642 points, 906 games, 32 points in 32 playoff games. You even tied Maurice Richard, John Bellable, Bernie, Boom Boom, Jeffrey on Guy Lafleur with seven goals in the seven-game series, 13 goals in all in that one year, 2010. What advice would you give those who are just starting out? It's an
3: interesting question to ask me at, at this point in life. I, I would say, <laughs> um, you know, you, you list off kind of those accolades, and um, I, I would say, you know, as as you go through your career, just uh, it's a humbling thing when you retire. Uh, okay. It's a humbling thing to, to move away from the game. It's a humbling thing to... Um, be you know a figure who people look at, and you can attach those accolades to, and 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 you receive praise. And I, I think it's important to uh, just make good decisions in your life, and try not to bring any anxiety into your life, and um, and really appreciate um, uh, the, the simplicities and that the, the and the the relationships that are in life, because um, that's really um, the. I guess the business, any business success or any uh, other things that people might deem successful in our, in our society Mm -hmm. generally come to you when, when you've done other things well in life. So um, that would be my somewhat convoluted advice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for your time so far. Just a few more questions quickly about the Red Wings. So you would have joined the NHL right after the Wings won the cup in 2002, and then they won again in 2008. So what was it like coming into Joe Lewis Arena? You probably had a lot of friends from the Michigan area, the Wolverines. The Red Wings were loaded with players like Zetterberg and Datsuk and Litstrom and Cronwall. What was it like facing the Red Wings during that time when you were first starting out in the NHL, Mike?
3: Well, uh, we we I played with the Kings. We used to chase the puck a lot. We played the Red Wings. <laughs> we had a 1-2-2-4 two, two, check. And- yeah. The Red Wings would suck us back in the neutral zone, and Datsuk or Eisman or one of these guys would get flying low, and yeah, they they you know we'd be chasing the puck all night. I remember a lot of nights hoping we could just touch the puck a few times, get some shots on net. So it was uh it was frustrating playing the Wings, and, and Lindstrom's probably the most frustrating defenseman that you could ever play against because it's not like he ever ran you over, but for some reason you you realize that at night you didn't get any scoring chances, and his stick seems to always be on the puck. So, um, but it was so special for me to play in Detroit always uh, for, because of the Michigan connection and because I would have friends there and I, I have lifelong friends in the, in the Michigan in the Detroit area now. And it actually ties back into the business. You know, we got a great distributor in Detroit. I'm, I'm in meetings today where we're talking about our Detroit, Detroit distributors and a bunch of my friends actually own uh, retail locations where we sell our product. Now guys that I went to Michigan with, so it's a, uh, it's a small world. It's a uh, shout out to Johnny Chinea who was uh, one of my college roommates <laughs> who now sells BioSteel in his grocery store. So there you go.
0: And tell <laughs> us a bit about how uh, how our listeners can can find BioSteel product. I don't know where you would even start to begin, but I guess Detroit is one of your areas that you're looking at.
3: Yeah, it is. Yeah, Detroit's the market that we we like, and we like for obvious reasons. It's a, a market where hockey's prominent and, and people know the product. So you can get it as a, a uh, most of your major retailers, you'll you'll be able to find BioSteel now, including Kroger and Meyer and Walmart. So uh, we'll uh, you'll see the presence more and more as you as you shop.
0: And Mike, when you do talk to people, just the the average person who maybe doesn't uh, use BioSteel, they're not Connor McDavid, but they're uh, weekend athletes. Or there's fifty thousand registered hockey players, for example, in Michigan, in Hockey Town here. What do you tell them about the product aside from it's sugar-free, plant-based? Like, what sort of things do you tell them about what you and John have created and whether it might be relevant in their lives?
3: It's just—it's a cleaner, healthier hydration solution. Mm We—we all know now that hydration is key for everybody, so it's not just for athletes. I mean, my five-year-old drinks it before he goes to bed, kind of thing. Like, it's not a stimulant product; it's a natural, healthy product that's good for Mm -hmm. everybody, and it really is just clean, healthier hydration. So. everybody can drink it whenever they want to just feel good
0: it's really amazing isn't it that you guys came up with this uh with this idea you and John Salenza and then now now you're making announcements at the uh, NHL draft have you have you contemplated just how far you've come It's, it's not an overnight success and like you said earlier you're a bit coy about when you first you know developed this in the dressing room because the NHLPA is proud that, that, that this came from the dressing rooms. This is somebody they trust, they know, and they're in partnership there with you. But um, isn't I've it?
3: Talked a lot of, yeah, I've talked a lot about relationships and trust. Yeah. And that's all very meaningful to me. You know, The fact that the league and the Players Association has that trust in, in, in me and in our product and our company, that doesn't happen overnight. You know, That trust was earned over, uh, as you said, it's not an overnight success. It's the overnight success that no one saw the first decade of. So. Um, and again, it's, it's, for me, it's just, uh, recognizing and appreciating all the people that have worked so hard on this and, uh, and, and their contributions. So that's, that's what it all means for me. Um, proud of it. Proud that we're doing, we think we're doing a good thing. We're, we're putting an eco-friendly Tetra pack in everybody's hand. We're putting uh, a cleaner, healthier hydration product, hopefully taking sugar out of a lot of kids' diets. So we feel like we're doing a good thing and and we have a viable business and um, it seems to be uh, well supported by uh, the hockey community, which, which is, you know, been so important to us. So um, uh, I would say grateful and appreciative of all of those things.
0: Mike, thanks again for uh, talking to us today about BioSteel, your NHL partnership, the origins of your company, your Michigan background, some future goals and aspirations even here in Michigan and all the best from Ted Colfin and me here on the podcast.
3: Hey, thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you, Mark, and look forward to doing it again sometime.
0: Our thanks again to Mike Camilleri. Ted, let's hear now from Ben Sherratt. Here's your question about joining another Original Six team after spending three years in Montreal. Hey,
1: Ben, is it still something that the whole thing about the Original Six and all, is there still a different sort of feeling when you join a team or an organization like that?
4: Yeah, it's special. I mean, uh, getting to play uh, in Montreal and now Detroit, getting to play for two of the six original teams—you um, know—I consider myself pretty lucky to uh, to get to do that. So definitely, um, definitely something when I've done with my career, I'll look back on and and be uh, be happy about. Now, when you guys played the Wings last season, what
1: were your thoughts on them playing against them?
4: A lot of good young players, obviously, just needed. Uh, just needed some help, a little more depth. Um, and I think that's, that's what, you know, what they've done today is bringing some, some veteran guys to kind of help along the young, younger guys. And, um, it should be, should be a nice mix for us this year. So when you are in Kitchener, did you follow the wings, wings fan or Toronto fan or what? I grew up in Hamilton and I mean, it was, uh, it was hard not to follow the wings when I was a kid, when they were winning, you know, winning the Stanley cup every couple of years. So, um, a lot of Red Wings fans in in, uh, in my area, and um, you know, good memories watching them from back then.
0: Ted, that Montreal team in 2021, just a few years ago, that team went to the Cup final before losing to the Lightning with John Cooper and Derek Lalonde behind the bench. Canadians went with only four defensemen: Weber, Petrie, Edmondson, and Sherratt. A big defense. Weber was six four. Petrie, the ex-Spartan and Arbor native, just traded to the Penguins. He's six three. Edmondson. Is six foot five. In contrast, last year, I know a lot was expected when Sherratt was traded to Florida. They gave up a first rounder, a fourth rounder, and a prospect, USA Hockey's tie, Smolonic. The Panthers were President's Trophy winners, but when they came into Detroit late in the year and six foot four Aaron Eckblad was out with an injury, all six of their defensemen were six feet or smaller. Weger, Kudos, Forsling, Montour, Carlson, Kirstad, you know, Florida did add six foot four Mark Stahl, and I think Ted the Wings are gonna miss the underrated stall.
1: I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought he was a solid contributor, his two years here. His two
0: years here. He was a plus player right up until the final weekend. But as you said, can you see Sherratt fitting in, blocking shots, killing penalties? Always in your face, it seems. A four year deal and a little more money than they probably wanted to spend. 19 mm-hmm. million four point seven five annually. What are the pros and cons of signing Sharat to that four-year deal? You not know, just
1: the age. And you do wonder how he's going to look when he's 34, 35 years old. Yeah, that, I think the term and the money kind of surprised a lot of folks. You heard mixed reviews about his time in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know if he's a, a true number one pairing type of guy. But playing with Mo Sider, I mean, that's not a bad gig. You would think you could handle that and do that. add add something to that combination. Uh, But again, overall, Mark, I think we kind of alluded to it. I think there's a little better team today on defense with him and Mata. Mata was, the strange thing about Mata, it's like I wrote about for, I think, yesterday or for today or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Seems like he's been around forever in a day, but (laughs) the man is only 27 or 20, 27 years old, I think, 28 years old. Still amazing, but I think that one might be a little bit more of an underrated signing than Sherrod, Actually, I kind of, I've always liked Mata's game. I know again, there's been some mixed reviews, and you don't see him as much the last couple of years in the Western Conference. But I've always thought he added a, added a nice piece to anybody's lineup. They're better.
0: They're better. I agree with
1: you. I, I do yeah. think I somewhat of a surprise. He didn't re-sign Mark Stahl. I thought he was a good fit in the locker room i thought he exceeded expectations during his two years here i thought but uh well I'm, in a way though i'm happy for him in florida if he does get the chance to play with his brother eric who's i i guess from what i gather he's on a pto and going to try a tryout in florida it's a good situation for the style family then in that in that
0: respect We did allude to those two defensemen they added as well. Mata, of course. I remember Ted watching Mata. He's 27 now. Ten years ago as a 17-year-old breaking in with the London Knights on the same team as 17-year-old Andreas Athanasiu. He went on to win two Cups with Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. He's 6'2". And, you know, he was plus 17 for the Kings last year, a top Mm -hmm. five defensive team. And we talked about the job that Todd McClellan, the former Red Wings assistant did in L.A. last year. They had missed the playoffs for three straight years. They almost upset the Oilers in the first round. And Detroit also signed Mark Pusick. He's 30, 6'1", 10 years in the league. He was only minus four in 68 games for the Sabres. And they missed the playoffs for an NHL record 11th straight year. The Wings have missed the playoffs for six straight years. So the Wings will have Sherratt, Mata, Pusick, and maybe Simon Edvinson. That'll be an upgrade, right, Ted, on last year? And you also throw in the new assistant coaches, Bob Bugner and Jay Verratti from the Coyotes. It at least looks on paper as though it might be a better defensive core, or is it the same team, basically, without Mark Stahl? Well, do you think there's room for Edmondson, though, Mark?
1: I I thought I penciled it in the other day, kind of just worked the lineup. Boy, it's going to be awfully tough for him. He's really going to be... He's really gonna have to have an outstanding training camp. I really think they want him to get a little bit of a baptism in Grand Rapids. That's the impression I get because I think you're right, Ted. I really don't see how he cracks that top six coming out of training camp. I'd be a little surprised.
0: And finally, Ted, the winners and losers list that you published a week or so ago. What are your thoughts on Steve Eiserman's efforts to upgrade the team and perhaps make the playoffs or at least get back to the 500 level under the first year with coach Derek Lalonde?
1: I'm going to tell you, my friend, there's still a little bit of time left here, obviously, before, well, a little bit more than a little bit of time before training camp. But when you look at that Atlantic division, boy, oh boy, you figure Florida's been, they've suffered a couple of gut punches. I don't think. You do mm-hmm. wonder. I don't think they're going to win a president's trophy again. That's for sure. Toronto still seems to have a little bit of a question mark in net, even with again revamping the you know their goaltending. Tampa Bay seems a well a little weaker. I mean, when you lose a Ryan McDonough, goodness gracious, and Palat is a, has always been a very valuable piece, and you figure Sorelli and. I think, yeah, Sorelli and Bogotian aren't going to be ready for the first month or two to start the season. Boston has its injury issues, not to mention they still haven't officially signed Bergeron and David Krejci. That's kind of interesting until they put pen to paper. That's got to be a little bit nerve-wracking, you would think. I don't know. You do wonder if some of those teams at the on the top who have been so good for so many years, you wonder whether they've come back – They've come back to earth maybe a little bit. I would certainly think in a couple of cases there they have. And you figure the likes of Ottawa for sure, the Red Wings. Buffalo's getting steadily better. Mm-hmm. Montreal's a little bit of a wild card, I think. I mean, they, if Carey Price comes back healthy uh, and strengthens them so, considerably. I'll tell you, we still got time before training camp, but. Getting a very, somewhat interesting in the Atlantic, <laughs> for sure. Around the league, sure. I mean, uh, I think there's, the things that really stand out, like we mentioned before, what a gut punch for Calgary. Although, mm-hmm. I mean, if you can get a decent return, fair return for Kachuk, yeah, and I still say if you can sign Nazim Kadri, I mean, he's, he's not Goudreau, but He plays that Calgary type of game, I think. So they're going to be weaker without those two fellas, but maybe there's still a way here to salvage something, basically. And other than that, I mean, Natha, Nashville has done really well, obviously, with McDonough and then signing Niederreiter the other day. And Mm -hmm. that's a good, solid team, as usual. Uh, And you just, on the opposite spectrum, Mark, you just wonder about Arizona and Chicago, specifically. So, I I, I would dare say it's almost an embarrassment to the league what's happening in those two locales. I mean, yeah, just terrible rosters. And and it's just, I don't know, they're not going to be competitive at all. And frankly, who would pay, you know, big, large amounts of money to watch them play?
0: Ted, thanks again for your time today. Always appreciate it. And that'll do it for episode 75 of our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. You can find all of Ted's stories online at DetroitNews.com, as well as on our Octopulse Facebook page on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram Stories, and Snapchat. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to our podcast, rating and reviewing things. Ted and I will be back in August as the Wings get ready to begin year four of the Steve Eiserman Rebuild.